We bought them on the road. This cool, wet, blustery morning in other words, Northeastern. Uh, I welcome those two, those listening at home, on the internet or on the phone. Uh, I hope you'll be able to just relax and enjoy being in God's presence. For those of you who are planning to go to the Girls Brigade this week, it's not long, so you can ignore that we notice. Um, and that's the notice, but I have one, one of the other notes that's going to be in here, so then. The evening day devotions online are going to be going through the Book of Luke, and it's by Don Carson, who's a, an American evangelist, and Scott assures us that he is very good, so it would be worth listening. And one other information before I hand over to Scott. We know and for the diaries provisionally, 27th of February, we hope, as Scott will have been with us for 20 years by then. <laughs> you know, it seems longer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 20 years on the 14th of February, that right? Well, that's right. Yeah. So we thought it would be a nice idea uh, to take him out for lunch to commemorate the, the thing. So, I'm at very early stages of looking into this. Uh, so maybe next week I'll hopefully get something from the other service or, or I'll need to talk. It's all to be with me with our Patel and our Rosen. Um, details are still going to be finalised and I have no idea how much it costs or anything like that. I'll get all that information to you and then uh, I'll, I'll give you the details on how to and who to be and I'll give you my contact details. I won't try and give them just now because you won't you can let me know in person, by phone, by email, by text, WhatsApp, anything you think of, but not TikTok or Facebook, but not <laughs> that would be pushing it. So that's just something for you to look forward to. Uh, I hope it's going to be the 27th of February, but the date is still to be confirmed as well. But other than that, that I hope there's all my issues, but it's something good to look forward to. And I've just got in here 20 years. <laughs> it seems as though he's been here all my time, but then I haven't been here 20 years, so thank you, Scott. Well, we're going to worship together, and thank you for warning me. I know the congregation are always members. Was it my 50th? No, 40, I think it was when I hit 40. The congregation that had kept a secret, and I thought, this is impossible. No congregation could keep a secret, but they did. I, th- I thought it was heading to Lards with the family for a night out, and uh, we came to the hall, and the hall was packed. So uh, I think I spent most of the night just absolutely gobsmacked when I couldn't speak. So thanks for the warning, Billy. <laughs> That's nice, and it means I can speak of the, of the day. Well, we're going to worship the Lord together, and we're going to sing before the throne of God above. And I'd like to keep your seats.
wife for helping me there too and covering all my wee mistakes. And we do give the band a wee, wee break from time to time and uh, we're so appreciative them through the whole years they serve. But Margaret, you're a martyr to the cause. <laughs> and so we do appreciate helping us out this morning. Well, I was going to say we're going to read together. We're not. We're going to, first of all, we're going to go straight to the throne of grace and prayer. So let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Oh, gracious, almighty and heavenly Father, we now approach your heavenly gates and the eternal courts of your presence with thanksgiving and praise. For we rejoice in your goodness and we marvel at your steadfast love, Lord, which your word declares endures forever. And so we delight this morning in your faithfulness. We know that you are the only true and living God, the triune and eternal one who inhabits eternity, yet you're the one who gave your only begotten Son, who came for us, who was born for us, who lived, died, and rose for us, who ascended on high and now prays for us. Oh, how we give thanks this morning for your well-beloved Son, in whom you are well-pleased. And so, Lord Jesus, we can see this morning we are also so pleased to know you, to be, to be able to worship you this morning, to give you our hearts, our praise, our prayers. Lord Jesus, we can never give you what you have given us. But Lord, just out of the love of our hearts, we give what we can. And so on this morning, we come and we worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you as we've already sung. You are our shepherd, and you call us as your people, the sheep of your pasture. And you invite us to come. Lord, we're not being presumptuous when we come into your presence. But we come at your invitation, at your command. And so, Lord, as we come this morning, we ask you that you would help us to hear your word. Oh, through the enabling power of your spirit, Lord, may we receive it, feed upon it, be sanctified through it. Lord, as we do pray, Lord, we pray all the things that are on our own minds and hearts here this morning too. For some of us, Lord, we may have felt as if we were, we were just rushing this morning just to be here. And our hearts and minds may be straying away, thinking of other things. And so, Lord Jesus, we ask that you take our thoughts captive. Lord, bring our hearts, our minds. Lord, bring our whole being 
into the loveliness of your presence now. And Lord, we do this as we pray together, sharing the Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We take our Bible reading from the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel according to Matthew, in chapter 3, and these at verse 13. And so this morning we've got a shorter reading, just verses 13 through to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Amen. May the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Matthew brings us to the river Jordan. Now the river Jordan was significant to the people of Israel. Because when we now remember the second generation of Israelites who came out of Egypt, remember this is now Joshua, who is leading his people through the wilderness. And what were we told? That before they went into the promised land, they had to first of all go to the Jordan River. Isn't that amazing? Here Joshua is now leading the people into the promised land, but before then they had to go through the Jordan River. And we're told that the Jordan River, when Joshua and the Israelites came, that God caused the river to split in two. And they walked through. And there is a memorial so that they would never forget the greatness of God. But they put stones in the midst of the river. An altar was set up in the heart of the Jordan itself. And so for Israel, the Jordan River was significant. In fact, we're told that it was there at the Jordan River. Remember Elijah? The one who Matthew has already explained to us. He is the one who is to come. John the Baptist, you know how Elijah is to come again? That's John. That's John. And remember what happened to Elijah? We're told that when he, when he was to decrease, when he was to go to be with the Lord, 
We're told that he was coming to the end of his ministry. And we're told that they, himself and Elisha, his servant, they went to the river Jordan. And there in that river, we're told, how Elijah, the rivers parted, and Elijah was taken. And then Elisha is anointed. There at that river Jordan, the double portion is poured upon Elisha. He receives that mantle of Elijah. Elisha was a servant whom Elijah was preparing for. And so here in the baptism of Jesus, we see that John, Elijah, had to decrease. And Jesus must increase. Jesus was there at the river like Elisha, being anointed for his ministry. And we're going to share a little bit later about that. But here, the river Jordan is very significant, especially to the Jew. And we also notice that for Matthew, the promised land is not high in the sky when we die. <laughs> you know, the Jewish people at the time believed that you lived in the evil age. So you go through the whole of your life living in the evil age. And then at the end, when you die, you go into the age to come. You go into the promised age. And in that age to come, there's resurrection, there's life, there's life again. And there's a lot of promises that are fulfilled in the age to come. We will experience God's fullness of power. So the Jewish person believed that it's when you die that you receive all the fullness of the kingdom and of the blessings to come. But Matthew, for Matthew, it's not that at all. Here at the baptism, Jesus now ushers in the kingdom. The king has arrived and he is now that Davidic king has been anointed at the river. The kingdom has now begun. It's not when you die. And so for Matthew's readers, for those who would have read this gospel, Matthew wants to tell them, the kingdom has come. It's not that you die, you don't need to wait till heaven. You can experience now the power of God. You can experience the Holy Spirit coming upon you. You can experience the kingdom and have a relationship with the king himself. And so for Matthew, there at the baptism, oh, he can see the king has arrived. The king has arrived. And therefore, if the king has arrived, the kingdom has arrived. And it's growing. Matthew, I believe, could easily sing the hymn, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. And not just there at the cross, when my sins were taken away, no, for Matthew, for there at the baptism I saw it, the king has arrived, and his kingdom now has ushered in. And so, yes, we notice where 
Jesus was baptized so significant. But also notice why Jesus was to be baptized. And this is a question that many of us ask. And even John the Baptist himself was perplexed. He was scratching his head too. Why is Jesus being baptized? As we ask the question, why did Jesus get baptized? Well, let's consider Jesus' life. He had lived under the law. He had obeyed everything, all that the Father had commanded him. Jesus kept. He kept the law. But Jesus, as he comes from baptism, if Jesus had lived under the law, he fully obeyed the scriptures, the commands, and the demands of God, his Father. If Jesus has kept all that perfectly, here he is. He had obeyed everything, all that his Father had commanded him. Jesus himself said his death was to do the will of the Father and the zeal for his Father's house consumed him. Jesus here, we know, perfectly keeps the law of God. But Jesus said, but I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And so as we consider the life of Christ, we see that Jesus kept the law. He was living the scriptures. He fulfilled everything. And then as we consider John's baptism, he was calling people to repent of their sins, to be cleansed, to be washed clean. But hang on, Jesus had no sins to confess. Jesus didn't need to be cleaned. He had no thoughts that would cause him to be ashamed. He had no actions that he regretted. He was pure, spotless, blameless. Jesus had lived the perfectly righteous life. There was no stains, no spots, there was no pollution on Jesus' life. Not one bit. No stains on the character of Jesus. And so, Here's now John's confusion. And we can and I'm sure we can empathize because I'm sure some of us are scratching our heads too. Therefore, considering John's baptism and considering Jesus' life, why would Jesus come for baptism? And John's perplexed. What are you doing? I can't baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And that's, and that's where we, can you feel that with Matthew? You can always say, Matthew, do you know this? You're describing exactly what I feel too. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? If I was John the Baptist, I would be saying the same thing. What are you wanting baptism for? I should be baptizing you. 
For you are the Lamb of God. I've been telling my own disciples, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You are the Lamb. Perfect. You are the one who takes away sin. You are not the one who comes to confess sin and to be cleansed of your sin. You are the one who has come to take away sin. Ah, oh, now we get it. John's, even in his confusion, he gets a wee glimpse of yes, that's right. That's right. Can you picture John here arguing theology with Jesus? <laughs> I wonder who win that argument. But you know, Jesus in his grace and in his love for John, he just says to John, John, suffer to be this way. Just, now, now, don't worry, just be obedient. It has to be done. It is actually necessary that I do this. For I must fulfill all righteousness. John, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing it for Dad. I'm doing it for my Father. The zeal of the house has consumed me. I love my Dad and I'm doing it for him. He's asked me to do it and I will do it. John suffered me this way. I'm here to obey my Father. I'm to do that which the Father has sent me to do. And so John, I must be baptized. I love that. Jesus, oh, he passionately delights in his Father. He would do anything for his Father. And through the whole of Jesus' life, he was perfectly and actively obedient to his Father. He kept everything. He kept the law. He kept everything. Right through the Gospels, we see that he also, he passionately prayed to his father. He knew the heart of his father. He knew his father's wishes, his father's demands. He knew his father's commands. And he fulfilled every one of them. And so here, the baptism. Why did Jesus have to be baptized? Because he passionately and perfectly obeys his father. And Jesus goes on. <coughs> For he has to fulfill all righteousness. He has to fulfill the scriptures. And this baptism is a way that the scriptures will be fulfilled. How's that? Remember how God had promised Adam and Eve? He had promised them eternal life if, if, if they are perfectly and actively obedient. As long as you do what you're told. Because if you don't do what you're told, you'll die, you'll suffer, you'll end in misery. Your life will just feel a mess. You will feel dirty, you will feel polluted. And the Father says, I don't want that for you. I don't want you to know that life. I don't want you to spiritually die. 
and you're pointing to know death entering into your souls. So be obedient, and you will live eternally with me forever. That's my heart's desire for you. There in the beginning, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in perfect union, in perfect love, and they loved Adam and Eve, and they wanted to dwell with them, to be with them. And so they said, now, you will know eternal life if you obey. About three are we told? But they disobeyed, didn't they? They in the garden. They fell in sin. And when they fell in sin, the scriptures tell us that then the world fell into ruin. As Adam had sinned, sin entered then the world through Adam and Eve's disobedience. And you know, often we look at our world today, and sometimes we say, Lord, why would you allow all this? It's not that God allows all this. The focus is sin does this. It just goes to show us that the Bible is true. Sin brings our world into ruin. It causes lives to be miserable. It breaks up relationships. It tears the world apart. We see that in people who declare themselves leaders and who become so authoritarian. And they they dominate, they want power and more power, and all oh, sin just ruins. But in all that, even in, the, in Adam and Eve as they sinned and as they were disobedient, God promises Eve that her seed, that there is one who will come, a descendant that will come from us. That he will do what Adam failed to do. There's a champion who will come. He will be the Messiah. He will be the anointed one. He will be the true champion of God. He will be the son. The son of promise who will come and he will satisfy the commands of God. He will do what Adam didn't do. He will fully obey. And he will win eternal life for his people. And so he at the baptism, Jesus fulfilled what Adam failed to do. He fulfills the scriptures. He perfectly obeys his Father. You know, it should be enough that when God required it, that's enough. But here Jesus explains so that we know he had to be baptized. He was fulfilling all righteousness. And can I just close with this? Notice how he was baptized. There at the Jordan, people came from all over Judea. And for those of us who, who know the Jordan, you may well have gone to Israel, I know some of you here today, we've, we've maybe been to that place. And Israel is actually, uh, sorry, down at the Jordan there, it's not the cleanest of rivers. <laughs> and it's not the most fragrant of rivers. It's quite smelly, actually. Because the next port of call for the River Jordan is the Dead Sea. 
And there, at the river Jordan, at that smelly place, and at certain seasons, actually, it could smell really badly. It was here in the midst of all that smell and filth. We're told that publicans and sinners would gather. And later on in Matthew, actually, chapter 21, we're told that even the prostitutes came to the river Jordan to be baptized. All manner of people would come. And so there at the river Jordan, in that place of filth, in that place that just smelled awful, there in baptism, Jesus unites and identifies himself with sinners. Jesus goes into the place of filth. He goes into the place of darkness. He goes into the place of sin itself, where sin is all gathered. And Jesus would immerse himself there in all that sin and in all that mess. Isn't that lovely? As Christ would go into the rivers of baptism, he was immersing himself in our sin in our maze, where he would unite with us, where he would be our wonderful high priest who sympathizes with us. And so he is, as Jesus is baptized, we come to a place, a place of, of sin, and Jesus there is baptized into that, into our maze. We're also told that the Jewish priests, when they turned 30, they, would, they were to be anointed for office. Isn't it funny that when Jesus came to identify with us and to be immersed into humanity, we also notice that he was 30. He was 30. That was the year when you became a huios, the Greek word for a true son. When you came into sonship, remember the prodigal son? The prodigal huios, that's the term that's used. The prodigal 30-year-old. Because when you turn 30, you could be, yes, anointed to the office of priest, you could also be anointed to be an elder in your local synagogue. And you could also be anointed to sonship. And when you were anointed to sonship, you could then receive your inheritance. That's why I believe anyway that the prodigal, when he went to his dad, he wanted his inheritance. He was 30. He was now into sonship. He had come into sonship. He could have his inheritance. And so there, at the age of 30, Jesus becomes the wheels of God. He comes into true sonship. He's anointed the Son, Christos. He is now anointed as the Christ, the Chosen One, the Messiah. And there he is, our merciful High Priest. Oh, I like that. In Acts chapter 10, <coughs> At verse 37 and 38, Luke reminds us 
You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good, and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Yes, there, the original Jesus, he came to fulfill the scriptures. He came to unite himself with us. He immersed himself in our sins. That yes, that he would be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, but he would also be the anointed Son, the Christ, the Messiah. And that he would know the Holy Spirit come upon him with power. And of course, Matthew also wants to highlight, and therefore, he is the Davidic son. He is the one who will come, the king in the line of David. For this is what Psalm 2 tells us. There in verse 7 and 8, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Jesus was coming into son. His inheritance. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations. And that's exactly what Jesus was given. And now, in response to all this, I love how the Father can't hold back anymore. All that was happening there in Jordan, the Father just explodes from heaven. Listen to him. Behold my son in whom I am well pleased. He's my lovely, precious son, and he has been given the inheritance of the nations. He has won eternal life, not for himself. He is the eternal son of God, but he's won eternal life for you and for me today. And so the Lord says, Behold, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Later on, at the Mount of Transfiguration, we get that phrase again, where God the Father says, Oh, behold, my beloved Son. And then he goes on to say, And listen to him. Listen to him. Follow him. Trust him. And so this morning, can I encourage you? Behold the beloved Son. Behold the Lamb. Trust him, receive him, follow him, walk with him. Then let's, in this quiet time, let's pray together that you receive him and walk with him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come into your presence, we thank you for your word to us today. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to die for his Lord. And Lord, we thank you for his obedience, Lord, that he obeyed you to be baptised, that he obeyed you to go to that cross. And Lord, that you resurrected him on the third day, that our sins may be forgiven. 
Lord, as we reflect on your word and the songs that we've been singing, Lord, perhaps we are struggling with a burden that is weighing us down. Lord, perhaps we are suffering ill health, financial worries, mental issues. Lord, whatever it is, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you. And like right now, Lord, as we bow our heads, as we listen on the telephone, or as we watch online, we thank you, Lord, that we can bring all those things that trouble us, and we can bring them and lay them at your feet, Lord. And Lord, that you will come and you will cleanse us and you will forgive us and you will fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we bow our heads before you, we come to you and we, we come on knowing that we can surrender everything to you. And Lord, that you will prepare us for a new life in your name. And Lord, you won't let us do that on our own. But Lord, you will take our hand and you will lead us. And so Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your constant love. And for the fact, Lord, that we can humble ourselves and come to you. Lord, we thank you that you're a forgiving God. And we thank you, Lord, that, that you love us so much that you were prepared to give up your son, whom you loved for us. So Lord, we ask you to just move among us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Touch us afresh and be close to us. And we ask these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to keep our seats once again as we sing to the river, I am coming.
And so may grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.